does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, good Tuesday morning to you. Rick Harlisle going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Bob Kravitz going to join us at 9 o'clock as always. Hanging out with you in the drivehubler.com studio. Uh, obviously, we sit and wait for the MRI news with Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I have no idea what time, but I'm sure Query and company into JMV today are going to be able to react to the severity. And before we dive into Gus Bradley stuff, you know, I mean, you look at you look at how tricky hamstrings can be. I don't want to I don't want to scare anyone, but Jelani Woods missed this entire season with his hamstring injury and rehabbing a hamstring injury and other injuries uh, arising. So yeah, muscles, uh, core muscles like oof, that can be really really tricky. Scenario. So um, yeah, obviously, fingers crossed. Coming up here later today, and uh, like Andy said, Rick Carlisle. Less than a half hour here to talk more, not only about that, but you know what was an extremely impressive second half in beating the Celtics, who were, uh, I think, 2-0 this season without Jason Tatum. Uh, but Jalen Brown, huge night. Pacers able to overcome that and move to 21-15. and One other thing to note, Pacers-wise, Andy, if you look at the Eastern Conference right now, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. All of those teams have the same exact record. 21 and 15. It's wild, isn't so it? So you are literally yeah. at the top of that. You're hosting a home. Yeah, right now you are. Seven yeah. game series. And at the bottom of that, you're in the play in. So any missed time for Halliburton, especially in a month where it's an absolutely loaded schedule, you go out west starting next week. Uh, boy, you're going to feel that. And things can move in a hurry with how the Eastern Conference looks right now. So, uh, obviously, plenty of stuff we'll get to with Rick Carlisle here in a bit. Well, plus, you have Utah coming up, and in Utah, absolutely put the shellacking to Milwaukee last night. Did you guys see that? They're by 30 at halftime. No, over, I did not, over the no. Bucks. End up winning 132, 116. But, I mean, yeah, they were up 18 after quarter number one. They outscored the Bucks 41 23 in the first quarter and 36 23 in the second quarter. The Pacers have the <laughs> altitude night. back to to back Ooh. coming up, right? Oh, do Don't they? they do the at Utah at Denver? I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up, but I think you're probably right. So, uh, we sh- we shall see. We'll see what Carlisle can say coming up at eight o'clock. We'll see what kind of MRI news uh, that we get. That's one of those where it's like, how quickly can we get him into the MRI machine? Can, can we do that at seven a.m. or at six a.m. or and do we have to wait till nine a.m.? Will Carroll on to share his thoughts? Oh God, on grade one, grade two, grade three, et cetera, et cetera. Who autographed your hat, by the way? Uh, I that's just a saw great that. question. I got I it. Um, that was my signature. <laughs> was it Jake Query? I forget Who if was this it? was the uh, bowling halftime show, the bowling pin halftime show, or the uh, knockout halftime show. Uh, but they gave me one of those like gift packages or yeah. uh, like a yeah, gift sure, bag. Sure. And um, I swear Eddie White told me Sabonis, but you could tell me it's <laughs> Boomer and I would believe you. I like the old school look, though. 1967. No, I didn't you know, know until you, you kind of tilted your head down. Yeah. And I go, that doesn't look like Sabonis at all. What do you think, Boomer? <laughs> or, you know, where's Bowser? Wasn't that Boomer's kid for a while? I'm Maybe trying, it was yeah, that looks like Sabonis. I mean, you can tell know. me as a pacemate for all I know. And I'd be like, oh, sure. Power Pack signed it. It's just some some equipment guys Brittany just signing yes. names. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pretty yes. So. Can't say the full last name. Uh, all right. 
right, so let's let's dive into it again. Carlisle will join us in about 25 minutes. We'll get back to Pacers. Any new news on that, obviously, we'll break in and we'll be talking about this morning on the show. You know, one thing, I texted you yesterday, KB, and I thought, okay, so we had Steichen yesterday, and he talked about Gus Bradley. We'll get to that sound here in a second. And then we had Colts Roundtable. So uh, Rick Venturi, Coach Venturi, is like, I just call him Coach. Uh, you know, he had about two, two and a half minutes of strong stuff just on the defense and on Gus Bradley. So I want to play all of that because I do think two things. I think Gus Bradley being back is a probability, not simply a possibility. It's going to happen, I think. And secondly, you know, everyone loves Shane Steichen. This is the first time, I mentioned this yesterday, KB, it's the first time I kind of think where fans were like, okay, I don't agree with Shane Steichen on this. That's my read of the situation. So let's play some of this and then we'll react. Here's Steichen yesterday when he was asked about Gus Bradley, asked about any changes to his coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I worked with Gus for four years uh, at the Chargers, so I got, you know, background with Gus. And uh, again, I believe in continuity, and uh, I got a ton of respect for Gus. All right, so continuity, that's the word. And he's asked again about it. Here's what he had to say. Um, I believe in continuity. I'll say that. (laughs) He never said he'll be back. (laughs) That's a good point. That would go against continuity. But that would go against continuity, yeah. Wouldn't it? Do you read anything into it? I mean, it wasn't a... 1,000% 1,000% statement of no? he will be back. Now, for what it's worth, you know, again, that happened during the show yesterday. I don't think the exact question was asked of, like, will Gus Bradley will be, he back? be back? You know, right. like a direct statement like that. Um, didn't he say something to the effect of meet with players today, meet with coaches tomorrow? I, I I don't know. I mean, certainly you can read into that and you can walk away from it and say, oh, it sounds like Gus Bradley is going to be back. Um there's an element, Andy, of we just don't know with Shane. I mean, this is we are learning about Shane Sykin. We learned about him for 17 games, and now we're going to learn about his hirings and his firings of a coaching staff. And um, I think the I believe in continuity is a little bit of a uh, I don't know if lazy is the right word, but I mean, you can point to so many successful NFL teams right here in the playoffs, and they have had massive coordinator changes in the last. Year? Well, the Bills within the last six months. Yeah, the Bills changed their their offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. So Ken Dorsey got fired a month like, and a half ago. Yeah, I, I, I'm not this just like continuity. Uh, you know, needs to be preached to the nth degree, and that's what builds championship teams. No, I mean you you make changes, and sometimes those changes can be beneficial to you. Um, I think our audience knows. I'm probably a little bit more on the. Um, I would like to probably see a change, and it, you know, at least explore what's out there. I know, like. Hard to really explore what's out there without like making a change. But Andy, I think there's some notable defensive coordinators that are either on the open market or could very well be on the open market. Oh, and, sure. You know, you brought up the name Wink Martindale yesterday and him resigning with the Giants. I mean, that was a guy that had multiple interviews here in Indianapolis for the head coach position last year. He is a stark contrast from Gus Bradley philosophically. Um, I think of Ajero Evero. With Carolina, another guy that interviewed mm-hmm. for the head coaching job. Obviously, that Carolina staff was let go. Um, I look at Atlanta and Arthur Smith, and that staff is let go. Ryan Nielsen, their defensive coordinator, that was the really only bright spot for the Falcons this past season. That is a very nondescript defense that played pretty good football and kept them in the NFC South picture while their offense had issues. Um, I look at 
Notre Dame, honestly. And Al Golden has been a popular name with NFL history. Was, Does he wear a tie, though? Does he have to wear a tie in the NFL? Thankfully, he has okay. not Is he worn done with that? Yet. Like a pullover? Uh, he was with the Bengals <laughs> on their Super Bowl staff defensively and has done really well at Notre Dame. And Antonio Pierce? We saw Shane Steichen go up there for Brian Mason last year. Yes, uh, the Antonio Pierce fallout. So I just think there's some names to keep an eye on and... Um, you could probably read into the Shane Sykin statement, whatever you want to read. Yeah, into. I, I think it's I think it's him not throwing Gus Bradley under the bus, him not trying to get your hopes up if you want Bradley to be gone, that, hey, that this guy is going to be gone. I think it's non-committal, but it's also not a hot take. I think that's what Steichen was trying to do. Now, speaking of Wink Marndale, just because I've seen just about every snap the last couple years of him, and if you go back to, besides the Giants, you know, he was there in Baltimore with John Harbaugh, the the Giants blitz they had 268 it was 42 percent uh was their blitz percentage that was second only to Minnesota so when you talk about a guy who is quite literally the opposite in bringing pressure of what the Colts the Colts were dead last this season at 14.8 percent in blitz percentage again the Giants with Wink Martindale more than double that at 42.2 percent again you may not like that but people have been saying you got to bring the blitz you got to bring you know people got to be scared of you. That's what he did. Now, they weren't a very good team, but that's what he did. I I wanted to throw these two clips your way. This is from the Colts Roundtable. This is Rick Venturi, okay? Uh, Let's play clip number nine here first, Mark. Who does not hold back? Uh, He does not hold back, and that's the reason I wanted to play this is because he's very opinionated, and he doesn't like a lot about what the defense did here. I I I just want to be clear. You could tell he did not like the way that they played on Saturday against Houston. Here's Venturi. This is yesterday in the Colts roundtable on the problem with the Colts defense. What our problem is, is we have a vanilla and and we have a predictable scheme that people are tearing apart. We play 79% zone. That was as a week ago. I don't know exactly what it is today, but it'll be close. 79% zone. And in that zone, there's no matchup. It's soft on the outside. It's soft on the inside. There's no matchup underneath. There's no hard press. So teams have free access. That's why this play after play is uncontested. It just absolutely drives me crazy. And that's why it's, it's not just a great phenom like the young kid we played on Sunday. It's Browning. It's Heineke. It's it's Aiden O'Connell. I mean, it goes on and on and on in terms of giving up these high percentage. We, we're kingmakers, and it's the same way with wide receivers. Every wide receiver that comes in here has a career day. And even if you don't have good corners, all you have to do when there's one guy out there is you roll to him every down, play run force away, or you go man-to-man, press him in double over the top, and you play nine on everybody else, period. Okay, So there's no excuse for what happened on Sunday. I couldn't agree more with those comments from Rick Venturi. Obviously, his long, long background in coaching is on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, yeah, I brought up yesterday in relation to Gus, Andy, when teams get ready to prepare for the Colts on a Tuesday night, it's not like that opposing offense sits there and thinks to themselves, oh bleep, what are they going to do? What looks are they going to give us? 
What will be different from last week? For the most part, it is on the very vanilla scale, to use a Rick Venturi term, uh, when you compare him to the 31 other defenses in the NFL. And I don't like that. Like I, I, I philosophically align more with Shane Sykin of aggression and change things up. And it's a week-to-week league. The plan for Lamar Jackson one week can't be the plan for Matthew Stafford the next week. Um, and to the point about when you play elite players, they oftentimes have their best games of the season against the Colts. And Nico Collins, I don't even know if he qualifies an elite player, but he certainly did on Saturday night. Puka Nakua earlier this year. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that just well, happens. Mike Evans was wide open. The Saints too, doing too what often. they did. Jake yeah. Browning. I mean, yeah, they got what things, they wanted. Like, anybody but him. Yeah. Anybody but them. And I don't think that philosophy is adhered to enough. So I think Shane Sykin has got to view this time right now as a, you've got a full offseason right here. You, I understood retaining Gus Bradley last offseason. It was scramble mode. You didn't get hired till mid-February. You have history with Gus Bradley. Um, the Colts defense obviously was not horrific by any means under him in year one. But still, now you have a look in the mirror. And the hope moving forward is you're playing deeper into January. So maybe you don't have as big of a you know window of time to make such a hard look at it and evaluate. I will say this, though. As much as, again, I would do something differently I don't think the personnel is to a championship level sort of defense. So um, I think you can acknowledge that and realize, particularly in the back end, you need to give whoever the defensive coordinator is some more ingredients. Well, if they're if they're going to say then, if the Colts are going to say, and this is the tricky spot of Ballard, if you're going to keep Gus Bradley around, and one of the reasons you you say that is, well, I mean, look what he did with what he had, then that is an indictment on Ballard, and I'm not sure he feels that way either. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's, I, I think it's it, a lose lose situation. It's a great in a, point in a yeah. lot of ways, is it not? If you're saying, okay, well, Gus Bradley had what he needed, okay, then then you got to be better than this, and if you're saying. Well, he didn't have what he needed. That goes back to the Ballard discussion. It's damned if you do, damned right. if you don't. Is it I mean, personnel that's, or that's is it the pro- that, yeah, that's that's the problem here. You know, speaking of blitz percentages, you know, the Colts at the very bottom. The teams that are there with them at the bottom: Jets, Niners, Raiders, and like Dolphins. And the Texans are down there, too. And the Ravens are down there, too. And the Eagles are down there, too. And the only reason I bring it up, you say, well, Andy, these are good teams. And their blitz percentage is low, too. It shows you don't need to blitz. The teams at the top, the Giants and Vikings, they're not they're not in the playoffs. We, we didn't even care about them this season. Okay, so they're getting home and you're not getting home. I mean, the Jets have been a – they've wreaked havoc this year on defense. I mean, their offense has been terrible. The quarterback play has been terrible. Uh, you look at the Niners, one of the better teams in the NFL. With what they have done with their front, yeah, they're 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 getting home with with some big time guys. So I, it's 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 a difficult one. I will say the one thing Steichen said that I don't care about. He's like I spent time with him and with with, with the Chargers. I, I got I got to be honest. I just don't care about that. You, right, you know what I'm saying? You know how the coaching fraternity is. I know it's five years ago. You know you spent time with him with I mean, the Chargers. Honestly, I was thinking about some okay. defensive coordinator names yesterday, and I went to the Chargers staff. I went to the Eagles staff. And you, you know, find a Chris Harris who now is in Tennessee, or you find a Denard Wilson who now is in Baltimore, and you try to connect dots because inevitably that's how this coaching process typically works. It is, you know, going back to guys you have familiarity with. I'd be super curious had he not spent time. Like, let's say Gus Bradley was Matt Eberflus, and there was no crossover. There was Shane Sykin. Would he a have retained him last offseason, and then b would he have, you know, this whatever fire him and have an open defensive coordinator? search on that end. 
Um, again, Chris Ballard, I think the hope is maybe later this week, meet the media. We'll see if there's any more clarity on that. But certainly, yeah, again, Shane Sykin's comments yesterday, um, I mean, he did not give us the Bernard Ryman, I'll be back, uh, in referencing <laughs> Gus Bradley 1,000%, but he obviously repeated the word continuity on several occasions. Uh, the, yeah, the C word and then the A word, uh, accountable. Uh, that has been the word we've talked about with the players. 28th in points allowed last season. Scheme? Personnel? It's Both. a great question. No, it's a great question. I mean, 28th in points allowed playing those quarterbacks? I know. I know. Listen, I- I'm with you. Uh, Venturi talking about Steichen. Coaches, coaches, not only players, need to be held accountable. You know, if you're going to hold players accountable, then you have to hold the coaches and the scheme accountable, too. And I'm, I'm hearing the word continuity thrown around a little bit, but let me just say something about continuity, okay? Let me just give you five playoff teams. Buffalo changes offensive coordinators in the middle of the season, and it's been huge. Pittsburgh, same. Cleveland brings in Jimmy Swartz. They're now number one in the league on defense. Baltimore brings in Munkin. Look at the difference he's had with the quarterback. You know, and then look at Miami brings in Fangio. So, and Houston totally re- revisits the whole thing. So, you know, continuity is only good if it's, a, if it's a damn good plan. If it isn't a damn good plan, continuity is not going to make any better. Yeah, I just thought those were strong words. I, I think they are. The only name that I'm totally against is Matt Patricia. <laughs> I don't mind. I'm just throwing that out there right now so I can be the first one to put that out I, at I 750 this morning. a few names you know, earlier in this segment. I don't want to dive too deep into the names just sure. yet. You know, I almost think like it's a waste of time until there is some sort of decision made because, you know, again, if you go off Shane's words yesterday, you obviously can, can read into Gus Bradley being back. Uh, Colts do know their opponents coming up for 2024. I think a couple inter- interesting things to note on this, Andy. Again, it'll be the AFC East and uh, NFC North. Those are the two divisions you'll play. By finishing third in the AFC South this season, the Colts will also play your Giants, the Broncos, and it seems like now an annual game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The home slate, eight home games, Five of the eight against playoff teams. Mm-hmm. The quarterbacks of those five teams, Tua, Josh Allen, C.J. Stroud, Jared Goff. I'm missing one more there uh, on the home front. Um, that is a much different home schedule than you had this past season. Andy, of the nine road games, uh, you only face one double-digit win team on the road. That's Houston. So the road slate does not have a whole lot of uh, either elite quarterbacks, long road trips, Denver's your longest road trip of the year, or again, even super accomplished teams from this past season. I would say one thing to note on the road, though, and I know it got a lot of attention this year, Andy, you're going to be on that MetLife Stadium turf. <laughs> twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah, you twice. You are at the Jets and at the Giants uh, coming up this season. Yeah, you look at the away opponents – we're not there with Jordan Love yet. You're not sold. You need to see more of Jordan Love, even though the last six, seven games. I mean, I, I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing that out but there. But that's it. I mean, again, it, just go off last is, year's quarterback. Yeah, is is Kirk gonna... Cousins back in Minnesota? Does that move the needle yeah. for you? Is Aaron Rodgers, you know, back and healthy for the Jets? He's too busy yelling at Jimmy Kimmel. He's not going to be back. <laughs> I would agree. The home team you missed was the Bears. How could you miss the Bears? Oh, no, no, playoff team. Steelers, oh, playoff right? team. Gotcha, Steelers. gotcha. I can yeah. assure you that the Bears are not a playoff team. Yeah, Jared Goff. Team. <laughs> Jared Goff. 
in the Lions. I don't know if you said him. So, no, the, the schedule, listen, the schedule's taken a huge step up, and it's it's to the point to where I'm not sitting here saying that this year they won games because of strictly who they played and the quarterbacks they played. But it is a data point. Yeah, it I, is I have, a discussion. I have no problem saying the Colts were an average to slightly below average football team that took care of a manageable schedule. It probably helped which, them in a few games. Yeah, which, sure. Uh, again, that's part of NFL football. I mean, the reason why the Steelers were outside of the playoffs for a long, long time is because they lost to Arizona at home. They lost to New England at home. Part of that is winning those games. So um, I don't totally discredit it. I'm just acknowledging what I think is pretty factual about this 2023 Colts season. So again, next year... Five of your eight home games against playoff teams uh, of your nine road games. Only one of those against teams that won double-digit games. Uh, You do have a road trip to Lambeau. Uh, That only happens once every eight years, so I know a lot of people like to circle that one, potentially do a trip for that. Uh, So times and dates, obviously, for those games will be announced coming up in May, but an early look at your 2024 opponents here for the Colts. All right, coming up next, Rick Carlisle joins us. The latest on Tyrese Halliburton and what was an impressive second half amidst uh, certainly a, a sour taste in the end of the first half and Tyrese Halliburton's injury from last night. Rick Carlisle joins us on the other side. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, 8 o'clock hour, hanging out with you in the DriveHuber.com studio. KB and Andy, Mark Dighton, producing today's effort. Reminder, coming up at 9 o'clock, Bob Kravitz going to join us. Uh, we'll obviously talk some Pacers, some Halliburton injury, and of course, the end of the Colts season. We'll do that with him. You miss any of our show, any of the fine shows here on The Fan, catch us on the Podcast Center at 1075thefan.com. All right, you know it's a Tuesday, you know it's 8 o'clock. Head coach of the Pacers, Rick Carlisle, joining us here on the program. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're good, uh, and we appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, it's been a great stretch the last couple weeks. Seven of eight had the six in a row last night. What a great second half and finish. Uh, but obviously, the Tyrese Halliburton injury is something we've talked a ton about this morning. Uh, any additional information you can give us as we sit here right now at 8.01 a.m.? Not right now. Um, he's going to get it checked out this morning, uh, get an MRI this morning, and then uh, and then we'll know more. But uh, if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to say a couple things about the cold season, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I just uh, I just thought they had an amazing year. Um, I don't know what their projected win total was. 
but but they shattered it. And uh, I thought Shane Sykin, you know, did one of the most brilliant jobs any rookie coach has ever done in any sport. And one of the things that really caught my attention and the attention of my coaching staff was when someone after the game asked Jonathan Taylor about the play call at the end, um, his quote, and I'll read it because I thought it was one of the really defining things about the, the culture that they're building, which is very consistent with what we're building over at the Pacers. That was the play we called, and I stand by the coaches. Taylor said, you see what Shane has done all year. Have you really questioned his calls all year? He's always been calling the right play at the right time. No one questioned the call. No one did. And I just, I just think it's such, it's just such an amazing tribute to um, what they're doing over there. Uh, and this is, this is why, you know, you take, you take care of a guy and you, and you pay a guy like Jonathan Taylor. He's not only a great player, but he's obviously a guy of, uh, of amazing high-level character, and uh, you know, I just uh, really happy for their franchise. And wow, what momentum they have going into next year! So appreciate that, yeah, Coach. If you don't mind, I want to stick there just for one more. I remember when we had you on at the start of the season, you brought up a conversation you had with Shane Steichen. I believe it was last spring. Some, you know, whatever. Shane gets hired in mid-February. At some point, he comes over for a game, and you and him had a conversation in your office before a game for you guys. Uh, what do you recall about you know your first impression of him? Because I, if I remember correctly, you were pretty struck by him right away. Yeah, I, there was no question to me that they had hired the right guy. <laughs> I, I had not even seen one game, but you just you just have a you just have a sense and a feeling about uh, a person. This guy was um, a, a, obviously a highly highly intelligent guy. Um, has certain energy about him. And you could just you could just tell he was a guy that's wired for success. So I don't, you know, uh, I think I think he and Ryan's, but um, uh, the kid from uh, Houston should both get rookie a uh, coach of the year. I mean, I just thought the, the job they both did was out of this world. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with all that, but uh, you know, I just uh, have a great great deal of respect for what I witnessed this year over there, and uh, wish those guys the best. He's Rick Carlisle. He's with us here, obviously, every Tuesday at 8 o'clock on the wake-up call. Um, Coach, could you take us into your locker room at halftime and just emotionally where guys were at? Obviously, Tyrese goes down with a few minutes to go in the first half. Um, I thought it was a really incredible resolve by your bunch in the second half to win that game. What was halftime like, and maybe did the start of halftime feel different than the end of halftime just from an emotional state and getting ready to go back out on the floor? Well... It was very, very scary uh, when you get it. Have it when you see your your best player get carried off the floor. I mean, th- this was not, you know, a guy with his arms around people's shoulders just limping. He was literally carried by James Johnson, and there was one other player. And um, you know that that has a very som- uh, sombering effect on everyone, the crowd, the team. Um, there were three, I think, three or four minutes to go in the first half. Um, when we got in at halftime, uh, I was I was told that he had walked on his own power from the training room into the locker room, and he had ice on his um, left hamstring. And so, the fact that his teammates had seen him walk under his own power um, was 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 uplifting. And then uh, when the coaches got in, 
um, you know, he was he was sitting in a seat, and uh, he had his he had his um, his hands, you know, uh, over his face, and his his head was down. He was he's disappointed that he couldn't be out there, uh, you know, fighting with his teammates. I think that was the the, the major feeling. Uh, obviously, other concerns go through an athlete's head. I you know. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a mind reader, but um, we talked about where we were in the game. We talked about the similarities it was to the previous game. The difference was we had had the lead several times in, in the game on Saturday. We never had the lead at all. And when we beat them in the in-season game, we were down seven at halftime. In this case, we were down nine. So we just reiterated that you know we're still we're still right there. Uh, what we need to do is is establish leverage in the game, um, get our fans into it, and um, you know we we told uh, we told Tyrese right there that you know we were going to hold the fort for him, and uh, so he'll get an MRI this morning, um, and we'll find out more. But uh, the second half was you know one of the greatest regular season second halves I've ever been involved with. You know, given all the circumstances. Um, our guys rose to a, a, a different level. Um, you know, Matherin had his most impactful game yet. And that's saying a lot because he's had a lot of them. Uh, McConnell was brilliant. Uh, Nemhard was was terrific. Um, Buddy Heald was uh, was terrific in the second half. And you know, Jalen Smith's block on Jalen Brown was was another game defining play that. Uh, that, that kept our fans in, in, a, in a frenzied state throughout. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Lakers Hotline. Yeah, coach, and uh, you know I didn't know this, but Mark Dighton, yeah, coach, and uh, you know I didn't know this, but Mark Dighton and Kevin Bone they were at the game last night. It's like two thirds of the show was there. So, so they got. Hey, and by the way, Rick is spot on about that Jalen Smith block. <laughs> that was unbelievable. In the, you know, late there in the third quarter, I thought that that just ignited the fan yeah. base throughout the. Uh, it there. really did. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Lakers well, Hotline. Andy, Go ahead, Andy, Andy, and if you told me you were at the game, I would have been surprised. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, fair enough. You know, I, I might be out there on Wednesday. I might be out there on Wednesday. I was actually going to be out there on Friday, but I had a buddy cancel on me, so you know how that goes. Uh, Rick Carlisle with us. Uh, you know, to a man, it seemed like after the game, to a man, they said, hey, um, you know, this is not going to be like last year when Halliburton was injured. I assume you feel the same. Why Why do you guys feel that it won't be the same? If he, if he misses time here, it won't be like last season. Well, we have a, another year of experience. Uh, we have another year of, of resolve in the locker room. We've we've added some some quality pieces to our team with uh, veterans like Bruce Brown and, and Obi Toppin, and then our young guys. You know, um, you know Walker hasn't played a lot yet, um, and neither has Shepard. But but they both are doing great things in the G League, and they're both demonstrating on a pretty much daily basis that that they're ready if needed. So, you know, we've got, we've got more weapons, I think, um, more experience. And I think the the word is, is resolved now, you know, talk is cheap and, and, and we'll have to see, but, uh, it just, it just feels like this is a challenge that, um, our guys are looking forward to taking on. It's not one that we like, you know, missing a guy like Tyrese, but, um, we got a pretty we got a pretty tough group as you saw last night and uh, and going forward you know we'll, we'll do what we can to find ways to win. 
It's an outstanding environment last night and uh, quite the second half from McCarlisle's bunch. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Pacers 21-15 and 15 on the year. We'll conclude a five-game homestand tomorrow against the Wizards. Coach, I want to go to the end there when Buddy Heald challenges the Jalen Brown baseline jumper, initially called the foul on the floor. It gets overturned. Um you know, I think NBA fans maybe are still getting used to like what challenge life is like and what does it exactly mean. What is your process like when it comes to challenges? And you see like Mike Weiner, everybody kind of scrambling to look behind the bench right when that play happens. Kind of walk us through, if you don't mind, uh, what you need to hear from your bench, your video department uh, before you decide a challenge. Well, we have to have a pretty strong feeling that um, we would win the challenge. That's one thing. Now, as to when you use it, um, <laughs> that's that's always the big question. And if there's a situation where you know there's a there's a foul on a three point play called uh, against you, and it's three free throws, um, you know that's and, and you're and you're 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 pretty positive that it's going to get overturned. If you can correct a three point mistake. Uh, early in the game, uh, that's that's such a big variance on the final score that there are many instances when when doing that is 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 the right thing. Now there are other things that go into this as well. So each each game, um, each quarter, there are two mandatory timeouts. Um, if no timeouts are called once you hit five minutes into the game, the first timeout automatically gets called on the first dead ball after five minutes, and it goes to the home team. Um, the second, the second one comes at the three-minute mark of the first quarter or nine minutes in, and that one automatically goes to the road team. Now, if if either team, uh, now it's possible, and it's happened to us a lot this year. I take the first timeout because it's ours that's coming. Um, and it kicks in automatically, or I take it. And then sometimes you need to take the second time out before three three minutes comes, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're down to five and your opponent has seven. And so, but here's, here's, the, here's the thing to remember, is that if either of the mandatory timeouts are in line to happen and you challenge, that timeout is going to happen. That's part of the mandate of this. Um, you will not get that timeout back. Now, if you challenge um, a non-mandatory one, one that happens um, in the last three minutes of the game that's a non-mandatory or in in the quarter that's a non-mandatory, that's one that you will get back. So that also carries weight as to whether um, a challenge is, is the right thing to do at that particular time. And now that you have the ability to get um, a, a challenge back and do a second one, it just you really have to be certain that that first one is the right one, um, and then you have one, and you want to hold it till the end of the game if you can. You know, Boston took one last night, pretty early in the game. They didn't, they weren't successful, so they didn't have anything at the end, and so, um, you know, you don't want to be in that position if you can avoid it. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. And then at the very, very end of the game, after all of that, uh, Matherin gets the ball. Matherin fouled by Porzingis. What were you guys thinking there with that play? Hey, cleared out, let him create. And then I think after the game, you said, let's get him going downhill, which ultimately is what happened. And then he goes to the line for three. You had him miss the third one. I guess what was the thought process with everything there that happened in the final two seconds? 
Well, you know, the, the first uh, possession, um, you know, I think we had it six seconds or something like that. No, it's 3.2, I believe. Um, that was the one we were trying to get him a catch and get him downhill. They had a foul to give, so we called two plays. Uh, on the second play, you know, there was, you know, he was, he was involved, Buddy was involved, and Miles Turner was involved as well. Um, and in that case, you know, T.J. McConnell um, knows, knows the guy who's has probably has the greatest ability to rise up and, and just create something and that, and that is Matherin. And so he gets it to him. Uh, it, it was, it was tight space, but that's exactly what he did. Drew a three point foul. And then, um, you know, he, I didn't, we didn't say anything to him about missing the third until he had made the first two, but with 0.6 seconds left, you know, you're going to burn at least 0.3 seconds on a miss and then that takes away the catch and shoot opportunity for a three. Right. And then, and then you know, at that point, you know, you, you, then it's just whether they can throw it up there and on a hail mary and get and get a tip, which is very difficult. Now, you know, they are the best three point shooting team in basketball. They have the greatest ability to rise up over somebody. They got a seven four guy in Porzingis. They've got Jalen Brown who had a forty point night. They got. Um, White and they've got um, Holiday and these guys are all great three point shooters. And then you know if if Pritchard runs around and gets open, he had made three or four in the game. So uh, decided to, to to go ahead and miss miss the third one, take the catch and shoot three out of the equation because that's you know that's that's a three point shot. You could someone could get fouled. You could even foul a guy on a three and he could make it and you could actually you could actually end up losing the game. So. Um, it all worked out, fortunately. Um, but as you saw, you know they they threw it up there and did get a hand on it, and the ball got tipped and it was on the rim. And it, <laughs> and fortunately, fortunately for us, it missed. But you know that was the kind of game it was. I mean, every time we had a chance to put you know real separation in the game, like we would miss a free throw, and then or or they would miss a free throw. You know, it was it was just one of those ones where whoever won the game was going to have to do it the hard way. Yeah, it was a great, great second half. Great close there from the Pacers last night. Uh, all right, Rick, last one again. Appreciate the time here, as always, on this Tuesday morning for our audience that just joined us. MRI coming later this morning for Tyrese Halliburton. Did you get any inkling last night on the severity of it, or is this strictly something you got to wait for the MRI? Well, you got to wait for the MRI. I mean, the fact that he did, he did walk on it under his own power uh, back to the locker room from the training room initially and then walked out of the building on his own power that's you know that's something that is encouraging um but we will have to see um it's you know <laughs> it's very strange you know it was almost exactly a year ago when he had the injury in New York um that was kind of a similar situation he kind of fell and slipped at the same time but um, we'll hope that the prognosis here is 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 a little at least at least a little better than that one. I think he missed twelve games on that one. Um, and uh, but we'll find out more today. Certainly, fingers crossed across the state of Indiana and really the NBA world because it has been such a joy to watch Tyrese Halliburton play basketball this season. Uh, but uh, having said that, uh, darn impressive last night in your team's resolve in getting that victory. So congrats on that, coach. Fingers crossed later today, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Okay, thanks guys. Be well. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, 9 o'clock hour, broadcasting in the DriveHubler.com studios. KB and Andy, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dighton hanging out with you. Appreciate you being uh, having us part of your day. Another hour to go if you miss any of the show, including 8 o'clock hour. Great conversation, as always, every Tuesday with Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle. Uh, we'll actually play some sound from Carlisle. We'll do that for Bob Kravitz here in just a few moments. Again, 1075thefan.com. KB's got some articles out of my Final power rankings of the year all coming up on the website. Uh, anything to add? Have you seen anything over there on Twitter? Tyrese Halliburton MRI later today. And basically, Kevin, that's what we do. We sit and we wait and we see what the severity of this thing is going to be. Pretty much. Wait for the Woj bomb. Obviously Oof. tonight, again, Indiana-Purdue, both on Peacock, 7 o'clock and 9. So that'll be a back-to-back a week ahead of Indiana-Purdue down in Bloomington for their first matchup. But obviously the Tyrese Halliburton news uh, dominating these storylines here on this Tuesday morning. All right, so let's get him going. Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Bob Kravitz joins us here on the show. You can check him out, bobkravitz.com. Bob, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Morning, gentlemen. I'm doing fine. All right, well, let's dive into it. We want to play some sound for you. We're going to be very professional here to kick things off. About an hour ago, we had Rick Carlisle on, and obviously the discussion started out immediately. Hey, uh, everything around Tyrese Halliburton. It's about a minute or so. Take a listen. Here was the uh, the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. Well, it's very, very scary uh, when you get it, have it when you see your your best player get carried off the floor. I mean, th- this was not. <laughs> You know, a guy with his arms around people's shoulders just limping. He was literally carried by James Johnson, and there was one other player. And, um, you know, that that has a very som- uh, sombering effect on everyone, the crowd, the team. Um, there were, three, I think, three or four minutes to go in the first half. Um, when we got in at halftime, uh, I, was, I was told that – he had walked on his own power from the training room into the locker room and he had ice on his um, left hamstring. And so the fact that his teammates had seen him walk under his own power um, was, was, was uplifting. And then uh, when the coaches got in, um, you know, he was, he was sitting in his seat and uh, he had his, he had his, um, his hands, you know, uh, over his face and his, his head was down. He was he's disappointed that he couldn't be out there, uh, you know, fighting with his teammates. I think that was the the, the major feeling. All right, so there's just about a minute or so of uh, kind of the scene there with Halliburton leaves the floor. And, Bob, I, I called it, it – it was a grim look last night with being carried off the towel over the head. Obviously, didn't come back into the game or the bench. Uh, you've seen a lot of injuries uh, in your time here covering sports in Indianapolis. What did you make of last night as we all sit here and wait for this MRI? Well, I, I was watching the national title game. And I flipped over to, to Bally. It was working for a change. <laughs> and, uh, and I see them carrying somebody off. I'm like, what the hell? And then I see it's Halliburton. And the first thing I thought was, we just can't have nice things. I mean, 
It happened to Oladipo. It happened to Paul George. To a certain degree, it happened to Danny Granger. You know, what? what is it about this place? But it sounds like it's not going to be too awful. Uh, I mean, he could be out a month. He could be out two weeks. Who the hell knows? Um, but, yeah, I mean, and the, 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 the toughest part of the schedule is coming up. So, you know, you just hope that they would be able to go, you know, say, you know, 9 and 11, 8 and 12 in these next 20 games. Bob, when you saw what, um, and I guess I'm putting the Halliburton injury just a little bit on the back burner for a second. You saw New York's trade for OG Ananobi. You hear the continued rumors of Pascal Siakam. Is that something you wish, I guess, the Pacers maybe would have explored more or tried to get done with OG's standpoint? Or do you like the idea of Pascal Siakam here in Indiana? I like Pascal Siakam. The the issue, of course, is will would he be a rental? And, you know, you don't want to give up uh, a guy like, say, Ben Matherin or somebody like that for a rental. Um, you know, uh, he, obviously he's going to the final year of his deal. Uh, would he be willing to to stay in Indiana? I mean, that's, not, that's all things they need to determine before they make any kind of a move. But uh, there, there's certainly a risk there. Bob Kravitz with us here, BobKravitz.com. Yeah, and on top of it, you know, if Hellburn's out for a while and they lose some games, what does that do to the trade deadline? All these stories are things that we're going to watch right. again. We just sit around here, Bob, and we're just waiting uh, for the MRI. Well, you wrote about it on your site, BobKravitz.com. Obviously, the end of the season for the Colts. Boy, what a heartbreaker. Tons of storylines. So I'll try to lead you a couple different ways. I guess, what was uh, what was your thought on the fourth down call? And then just the, boy, just a sad ending to what had been really a fun and up and down season, but a fun season for Colts fans. Yeah, I I, I kind of toe the line with Kevin and a lot of other folks in town. Um, I don't understand. You know, I believe in players, not plays, when when it comes to that point in the game. And, boy, I, I want to see Jonathan Taylor out there. You know, whether you run him up the middle or around the end or do something else, you know, I just don't like the idea – of putting the entire the fate of the entire season in the unsteady hands of uh, Gardner Minshew, who really did not play well at all uh, the other day, uh, and Tyler Goodson, who I just my heart went out to the guy. I mean, he was he, he was you know crying in the locker room. I felt terrible for the guy, but he handled it with uh, great class and uh, honesty. But uh, yeah, I, I think in a situation like that, even though he was definitely hurting and you could tell that he had a trouble he had trouble with changes in direction, uh, I would have liked to have seen their best player out there, even in a diminished state. Yeah, Bob Kravitz is with us here, BobKravitz.com, where you can find his latest. Bob, I think we're supposed to hear from Chris Ballard later this week at his season-ending presser. What is your biggest Ballard-related question entering the 2024 offseason? Well, two things. What are you going to do about the secondary uh, where, you know, you've got, you know, Kenny Moore is up, uh, Julian Blackman's up, you know, contractually. Uh, What are they going to do there? He's not going to answer. And how, how do they find Anthony Richardson some help 
on the outside. Uh, I've seen two years of Alec Pierce. I know everybody thinks I hate the guy. Uh, I don't hate the guy. I just don't know that he can play. Um, so, you know, I mean, he, he really hasn't done much in the two years he's been here. And they need a tight end. You know, they've got about 12 of them on the roster, and none of them are terribly good. Uh, I thought Will Mallory started to show a little something uh, in the last couple of games of the year. But, um, you know, they don't have anybody who's going to make you forget Jack Doyle. On the Gus Bradley front, Bob, I'm a little, I guess, confused. I don't know, maybe it's a Ballard question. But, you know, when you go back to the Matt Eberflus era, remember Ballard kind of like hired Eberflus for Josh McDaniels. And then, you know, Frank Reich retains Matt Eberflus. And that, you know, era plays out. And then with Gus Bradley, you know, again, Frank Reich hired him. And then Shane Steichen is retaining him. Like, you haven't had a head coach hire a defensive coordinator here in quite some time. So I say all of that to ask you. Do you think the Gus Bradley decision is Chris Ballard's, or do you think it's Shane Steichen's? Uh, I think it's Steichen's. Uh, I really do. I, I think that, you know, it's who he's comfortable with, who he has faith in. You know, people talk about uh, how he was a Reich's guy, but these guys worked together for four years with the Chargers. So there is that relationship there. There is that history there. Um Look, I thought he had to spend the entire year protecting against that secondary. And, you know, people are like, well, he doesn't blitz, he doesn't blitz. And, and he's never been a big blitz guy. But, uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who coached the Legion of Boom in, uh, in Seattle. This ain't no Legion. This is a Legion of Doom. You know, this, this is not uh, that. So uh, I thought that he was forced to rush for most of the year. Uh, he couldn't blitz. And look, they were they were kind of uh, thin in the secondary heading into the season, and then all the stuff happened, you know, with Isaiah Rogers and uh, Dallas Flowers and this, that, and the other thing. So I just thought he had a very weak secondary, and I think that's more on Ballard than it is on, uh, on, on uh, Gus Bradley. Bob Kravitz with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, you wrote on BobKravitz.com. Bring back Pittman, Minchu, and as we're talking here, Gus Bradley. Why on all three? And ultimately, an early prediction, who do you think will be back next season? Well, I think Pittman for sure. Uh, it certainly sounded yesterday. It was yesterday, I think. Uh, it certainly sounds like uh, Bradley will be back. Minshew's going to see what his options are. You know, I, I think in, in his heart of hearts, he thinks of himself as a starter, and he should. Um, I don't think he's a good starter. I think he'd probably be, you know, somewhere in the bottom third, bottom quarter, uh, quartile, as Jim Irsay would say. But, uh, you know, I, I look, Pittman, if they got a franchise, and they'll franchise him. Will, will he sit out a little bit? Probably. You know, he, he learned from the best. He learned from Jonathan Taylor and his uh, Holden. But uh, I think Pittman's back. I think Bradley is back. And Minshew, I think, is up in the air. I'd love to bring him back. Because, look, you know, I, we don't know about Anthony Richardson. I mean, he was hurt quite a bit in the first couple of weeks of the season. Ultimately went down with the AC joint in the shoulder. And, 
you, you hope that it's that it's not something. You, you hope that uh, he's going to be healthy for the better part of the rest of his career, but you don't know. To me, this guy, Minshew, is a great insurance policy because you, you can't name me another backup quarterback who you could go – uh, you could go nine and eight with. Yeah, honestly, I, I think I'm in the boat at quarterback with try and bring Minshew back. It's a two way street. He's going to have realistic, you know, playing time options. I, I would say much more than he will here in Indy if Anthony Richardson's healthy. But I'd also like to see them draft the quarterback on day three. Just you know, I, I think the depth of that position speaks for itself with Anthony Richardson, you know, and the injuries he had and Shane Steichen's. Oops, still there. You there, Bob? Oh, boy. That yeah, I, I lost you there for a second. You hit a button? Uh, I don't know. It sounded like you were on a, a, a outer space <laughs> maybe there. So do you have us loud and clear, oh, I Bob? I lost you again. All right. We will try and reset maybe with Bob Kravitz there. It sounded like he was playing oh boy. A, a Nintendo game well, there I for heard, a second. I heard a click, and, and I thought, oh, boy, that, that might be when you know someone accidentally hangs up. And I don't know if Bob Kravitz has the phone nestled next to his face or if he has AirPods. I don't know. Does Bob Kravitz have AirPods? I don't know. You would know. You're around yeah, it more I, than I, I am. I've seen him rock those. <laughs> dude, Are, you love your, your AirPods. You might use your AirPods more than anyone I know, yeah. I have a feeling. Hey, I'd rather lose my wedding ring than my AirPods. <laughs> Oh, Maddie's not watching. Bob, loud and clear. Do you got us? Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I think we have him. Bob Kravitz is with us here. Yeah. BobKravitz.com. Uh, we asked you a couple weeks ago. I, I want to shift gears to college basketball. We asked you a couple weeks ago, and and I hope I'm not uh, misquoting you. You're pretty adamant about Purdue and the national title for this season and bullish on them and those expectations. I assume those have not changed. So if we go to the no. other Big Ten school here in the state, uh, where are you with Indiana and making the NCAA tournament? Well, I'm, I'm not going to reach any hard and fast conclusions until, uh, you know, unless uh, Xavier Johnson comes back uh, healthy and, and leads this team. Because, look, their their backcourt right now is atrocious. Uh, you know, I mean, Gabe Cups is is nice player, but he's a he's a freshman. Uh, Galloway looks a little bit lost back there at times. Um, I, I think we'll know when Xavier comes back, but for now, I think it's, it's up in the air. I mean, they have days where they look pretty damn good, like Ohio state, like Michigan earlier, uh, in the big 10 season. And then they go and lose to, uh, Nebraska by 20. So I, I think this is, this is probably a 500 team in the big 10, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be fighting to make the NCAA tournament. I, I, I don't think it's a it's a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. And Xavier Johnson was pretty good on Saturday night. Thirty three minutes, no turnovers for him. Again, it's IU at Rutgers tonight at seven. Purdue at Nebraska coming up at nine o'clock. Uh, Colts off season is here, Bob. Anything we should be looking for on the horizon from you? I assume something Chris Bauer related later in the week. Yeah, uh, but anything else? Yeah. I'll- I'll probably head out to the Pacers tomorrow night, see what's going on with Hal Burton. Uh, boy, I hope he's here for the All-Star game. I hope he's healthy. I think the All-Star game is February 18th or something. Um, I hope he's good to go because it, it, it's going to be a celebration, not only of basketball, but of Tyrese and what he's done since he's been here. And, yes, uh, when Ballard uh, speaks, I will be there and I will have something – on BobKravitz.com. 
BobKravitz.com. Bob, as always, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you later this week. Thank you, guys. See you later.